0: I'm Alan Cornett, and this is the Eat Kentucky Podcast. eat kentucky podcast where we celebrate kentucky its food and its culture this is your host alan cornett if you eat in kentucky it's pretty certain at some point you're going to eat out this episode i'm joined by louisville-based kentucky restaurant association president and ceo stacy Roof. stacy has been with the k-r-a for a quarter century as an advocate for kentucky's restaurants Stacy discusses the role of the KRA as a champion and resource for Kentucky's restaurants and their ongoing lobbying efforts in Frankfort, including a discussion of a possible restaurant tax about which she recently published an op-ed in the Courier Journal. Also, Stacy explains the KRA's program that brings vocational restaurant education into Kentucky's high schools and the wide open job market that awaits them. There's plenty more including a reveal of an upcoming podcast guest and i even get stacy to divulge some of her own restaurant recommendations please take a moment to hit the subscribe button to the podcast so you can be notified of future episodes i'm excited about interviews that i've already recorded as well as some fantastic guests i'm making arrangements with now also i would appreciate it if you scroll down and leave a five-star rating it only takes a second and it lets those algorithms know that this is content you value and want others to know about. And I've also decided to roll out a Patreon for those who want to give some extra support to Eat Kentucky. If you hop over to patreon.com eatkentucky, you can pledge a few dollars a month to help me continue to grow the podcast, upgrade equipment, and allow me to travel to interview great guests. Patrons receive special premiums, previews, and bonus content. You are able to help. I'd love you to become a patron. Now join me as I talk with Kentucky Restaurant Association's Stacy Ruth. Stacy Ruth, welcome to eKentucky.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: We are in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And with the Kentucky Restaurant Association. Yes. So tell me about the Kentucky Restaurant Association.
1: So our association is a trade association. We were incorporated in 1964. We actually started in the 30s, the early 30s, with a group of Louisville restaurateurs, who you know just figured out they needed to band together and, and promote their industry and kind of support each other's. You know beliefs and pro business and all that stuff, and um, that evolved into a fully incorporated nonprofit in '64 that became statewide. Um, I came to KRA in 1995 as an administrative assistant, and um, the lady who hired me left a year later, and then we went through a few more people, and then at some point I was like, you know, consider me, and so in 2000 I was named CEO. Um, and I guess at this point it's a career because yes. it's twenty twenty.
0: Apparently so. So you're you you've been here a while then. You know long all long the way. ins and
1: outs. I don't know about all because <laughs> truly things change every day. Sure. Just when you think you have things figured out, you don't. So, but it's always an adventure. And the nice thing about a nonprofit is no two days are alike, and there is no boredom.
0: <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that that is true. Well, uh, one thing, as anybody who is even a casual observer can can say that the the restaurant scene in Kentucky is very dynamic yes it's vibrant diverse and it's diverse and so there are a lot of interesting things going on and you've got to have your finger on the pulse of all of them so you get frequent calls from irate or distressed restaurateurs all the time
1: I wouldn't say so (laughs) Um, very very infrequently do they call and they're irate or upset about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do a lot of um, following legislative things and bills and those kind of things tend to get them worked up, you know, when this mayor wants a restaurant tax and, you know, that legislator filed, you know, a Department of Health bill that would take the cap off of what they can charge and, you know, so we've got things like that. But um, while our restaurant owners and chefs can be very dynamic and have just all kinds of personalities. I really don't get those kind of calls. That's good. It is good. It's a good thing. And good. they, I think, they realize that that the association has all of the in- interests at heart. You know, whether they're a tiny little place in Stanford or you know Texas Roadhouse and everything in between. You know that. We,
0: so you have. If, if it is a functioning restaurant in in the state of Kentucky they can they can be a member
1: they can and it's voluntary on right. their part they right. choose from a, a scale of dues that they you know pick what they pay um, that correlates loosely to their food and beverage revenue mm-hmm. and you know they're they're a member for a year and they might you know take advantage of training things that we offer food safety classes or alcohol responsibility classes they might join just because you know they Their family's always been a member, and they realize that we're out there kind of paving the way and making sure that they can operate safely and all that. Um, Or they just might want to take advantage of a discount on insurance or something. Right.
0: So, how many members do you have?
1: We have a little over Mm 1,100 in the state. And so, Yum is one member, you know, Mm -hmm. so that 1,100 represents more. Sure. we probably have um, half the penetration of the whole state, but it's a voluntary thing. Right. So on any given year, you know, we've got people falling off and people coming back and, you know, new people. Right. Uh, so it's always a work in progress to keep the members that we have and then to build on that and add.
0: So what benefits do they have for being being part of the association?
1: They have, um, I mentioned the training, so they can get... A national certification in serve safe food handling for 95 bucks which is really cheap and all the health departments recognize that uh, throughout the state and it's kind of the national industry standard uh, so some companies join for that benefit we're doing classes all over the place we're doing a class in Lake Cumberland today mm-hmm. and yesterday um, they might join to get a property and casualty or liability discount through insurance and we've worked out that. We've got a workers' comp discount. Um, we've got an Office Depot program that, you know, I wandered into a Tzatziki's that's a member of ours a few weeks ago. And the owner saw me and she came. we were talking. She goes, oh, my gosh, I just love my Office Depot card. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, you know, I think about all the things that we do, and that's right. just one of the many sure. little tiny things. But she's like, I love that thing. I save all kinds of money. And I'm like, Okay. Yeah whatever works for them. Exactly. <laughs> um just the the biggest most vague way to put it is that we hope to be and are their resource. You know, if they're especially if they're new in the business or if they're, you know, their people have changed, you know, I hope they think to call us and ask questions before they google it or before they call someone that might not be as familiar with how to answer that question. You know, we'll call agencies on their behalf if they have a wage and hour question or a you know, I've got this 17-year-old and I'm pretty sure what they can do and, you know, but can you clarify the rules mm-hmm. around, you know, what do I need to keep them away from equipment-wise or what are they allowed to to handle and do?
0: So you're, you are here for the benefit of the restaurants, whatever that Exactly.
1: And our mission statement is actually we exist for their success. So whatever that looks like, it could be saving money, it could be you know, going through a program that helps them learn. It could be a networking event. We do several events a year to try and bring them all together and you know, just get them in the room with each other because they learn best from each other.
0: We have a legislative session going mm-hmm. on. What, what are some issues that you are interested in that are on yeah. your radar right now?
1: So our big thing pretty much every year, especially the last few years, um, is fighting a restaurant tax. There's a there's not a bill at this point in time, um, but there will be this session. There always is mm-hmm. um, that's introduced that would give every city the authority to have an up to three percent restaurant tax, which means that on top of the sales tax they also charge. It would be an additional three percent, which would inf- you know be like nine point one eight percent, I guess. Right.
0: Um, so you're basically looking at ten ten percent,
1: pretty much. Total, yeah, on any meal or prepared food or beverage that's prepared away from home. Okay. So could be a hot dog at the gas station or, you know, deli-fried chicken or whatever it is. Um, But we are adamantly opposed to that because it singles out our industry, and we feel like the people that dine out especially frequently are doing so because of the busyness in their lives, and mm-hmm. it's just become a part of what we all do to make our lives work, you know, these days. Uh, we, we don't prepare as much food at home. It's a little bit of a um, just juggling trying to get, you know, food into our families. So we feel like um, there are other ways to solve pension crisis that, you know, we didn't create that mess and we should not probably be the right. solution to that mess. So that's our big kind of putting that information out there getting our restaurants fired up because they're not just going to add three percent they're going to pass it along to customers because if they could add three percent and make three percent they would (laughs) if they could make another three percent you know um, it's it's really a pennies on the dollar um, profit industry and so a few more pennies on that dollar means a lot to them right so and we're just you're trying dealing
0: with thin margins absolutely
1: you know. we're trying to educate um, not just the industry but customers as well that they're going to pay this and uh, it's it's one specific area that only applies to people that dine out you know or purchase that food away from home uh, when there are probably other areas they could explore to help solve that
0: why do you think that that tax is, that they, that they seek to impose that tax so frequently? Why is it a target?
1: I think that a lot of, of um, bodies that make decisions like that look at consumption taxes. You know, it's like, well, you're choosing to dine out you're choosing to consume this, a gas tax, whatever it might be that we're consuming. So I think that's kind of a widespread outlook on things. Um, I also think that, you know, Mayor Fisher in Louisville said in an interview a few weeks ago, it's easy, it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy for us to get. And my answer to that is easy doesn't necessarily mean right, right, right. you know, so. i don't know i think that they're looking for any way they can to solve the messes that the cities are in because of the bills they can't pay or that they have to deal with
0: right and and that would be like you said that would be an overall tax you're not talking about just five-star restaurant luxury no. meals you're talking about driving through mcdonald's
1: everything kind of Right. And, you know, and there's an argument that, well, that would be on tourists. Well, we wouldn't have restaurants that thrive like they do all through Kentucky if they were solely dependent on tourists. Um, We did some internal kind of research and just polling of our members and said, you know, what portion of your business do you truly think is tourist versus local? And the median response was low 90 percent is local. Mm -hmm. You know, and the mayor in Louisville has been saying that about 25% is tourists. Maybe if you're in a um, a convention area, you're you know you're next to a convention hotel, you're downtown, you're you know you're in an area that has a lot of tourist activity on a regular basis. But I don't consider myself a tourist when I go to Lexington for the day to do business. Right, I'm not.
0: Right, you're out of town. Absolutely, quote unquote, but you're not really. Yeah. You know,
1: most of our restaurants... It's paid by Kentuckians. It is. Right. And we call it a tax on families, you know, because Mm -hmm. most families dine out, you know, even somewhat frequently. Sure. You know, just to make their lives work.
0: Right. We were busy last night and got in, brought in pizza. Mm -hmm. Right. Just because things were kind of hectic. So that's
1: right. And that's what we do that, on Wednesday night before church. Yeah. Typically, it's like better grab something. That's our, you know, our carry out night, mm-hmm. and ours was pizza this week too, um, because it, you know, it just gets everybody where they need to be on time. Right, right, exactly. And, sometimes... <laughs> and you know, when we're menu planning, we try and do that on Friday night or Saturday morning, like make the list and talk about all the the days and what's coming up. Then, you know, we're like, okay, you know, Monday night we'll cook. Tuesdays, moms, because my husband's mom fixes us dinner every Tuesday. We meet at her house. Oh, nice. Wednesday, <laughs> we'll do Chick Fil A or pizza or something, because right. we've got that small window. Thursday, we'll cook. Friday, we might go out. We might stay in. It just depends, you know. And then we'll cook all weekend. So it's just part of the right part of the budgeting yeah, conversation.
0: The, right when the when the uh, the schedule gets tight, something's exactly. got to give. And a lot of times for people these right. days, it's eating out.
1: Other legislative things, I kind of referenced it earlier, but there's a, a bill that would remove the cap on what health departments can charge for the inspections that they do. And not just it wouldn't just affect our industry; it would affect anyone that's inspected. You know, and there are a lot. There's a wide range of of businesses that have inspections in place just because of the nature of what they do: manufacturing facilities and you know swimming pools and all kinds of places. So. Um, we have told them that we don't like that because, you know, if, if you've budgeted, I'm going to pay about the same thing I paid last year and that was $600, I don't want to see it be $3,000.
0: So if when restaurants are have a health inspection, they have to pay a, yes. a fee for that?
1: They have to pay two fees because okay. they pay the state and they pay their locality. Okay. And so...
0: And probably most people aren't aware of that. Of
1: course not. Yeah. You know, and really it's a fee because they're permitted, but it is kind of a tax as well. For sure, you know, yeah. and they're paying their payroll taxes, and they're paying their yeah. property taxes, and they're paying all the taxes. P- permits
0: are are taxes. Exactly. A, yeah, it's just a yeah. It's a different it's a different word for it.
1: And but. sometimes it's bills that are filed that don't even target our industry, but due to an unintended consequence, we're in there along with other businesses that would be impacted, and so we try and read through pretty much everything just to see if there's a way that it's going to affect us and mm-hmm. try and get our members fired up, which is challenging because they're busy.
0: Right, right. They, <laughs> yeah, they're not They're not interested in lobbying. They're not. That's what they've got you for, right? Right. And we
1: had like a couple, well, last week we had our first board meeting of the year. I, I report to a state board of directors, and they're from all over the state, and it's operators and supplier members, and... I think the most eye-opening thing to new board members is just how much time and effort, especially in the first quarter of the year, we devote to paying attention to what Frankfurt's doing because it will impact them, you know, and most most of that will impact them starting July 15th-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's three months after they end the session. Um, but like the health department bill has an emergency clause on it, so it would go into effect immediately upon the governor signing it, and um, saying, you know, we gotta care about that like now. Right. And so, I think after those meetings, they're like, wow, I just thought that I wrote you a check for my dues, and if I needed you, you were there. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize that, you know, you're pulling your hair out (laughs) doing all these things.
0: (laughs) Trying to advocate for I just thought
1: you threw parties and at golf outings, and you know, we just (laughs) had fun and stuff, you know.
0: While we take a brief break, I wanted to tell you about my day job, and sometimes nights and weekends. I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Bluegrass Realty. When I'm not eating or posting about food, I help people find the home of their dreams in the Lexington area. If you need to buy or sell your home, please email, text, or call alancornett at kw.com or 859-327-1818. Now let's talk more about food. Well tell me some about the fun, uh, you do some philanthropic uh, activities, we do. What, what kind of uh, things does the so, Restaurant Association do?
1: We have um, a separately incorporated 501c3 organization uh, and it's our educational foundation and their project and really their whole emphasis is on developing the future of our industry. So they've done scholarships in the past but for the past Four and a half, we're in our fifth year, we do a thing called ProStart. So our Kentucky ProStart program is a high school junior and senior curriculum that can be adapted by, purchased by high schools anywhere in the state that have the ability to have classes. Think like new home ec, right? Um, With a real culinary and hospitality management component and emphasis and we've got 20 plus high schools that have this curriculum that our Pro Start coordinator Jim works with on a regular basis, you know, he's always dealing with teachers and, and such. Um, and they have a big fundraiser dinner every year and it's a seven course dinner um, with, you know, just crazy good chefs. And they, you know, they raise good money for this program and that helps keep Jim where he needs to be, and it also helps schools that, you know, maybe they can't afford the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So our foundation trustees say, you know, we'll pay half if you can pay half. You know, it's a few thousand dollars, I think, to get that program going. Um, And then also, we do, um, and it's at the end of February, we do a pro start invitational so any of those participating schools throughout the state can send teams either culinary teams or management teams and compete against each other oh, and okay. then our trustees send the two winning teams culinary and management to the national pro start invitational in DC in May and they represent Kentucky and those kids you know sometimes it's the first like big thing they've ever done oh sure you absolutely know? Um, and it's, I've been on that trip a couple of times, and it's fantastic. It's so inspiring to be in that room when they're competing against each other, and, you know, they're just learning from each other, and they're in awe of, of what these students can do. It's, it's amazing. You know, they're 17 years old, typically, and they're creating dishes that you wouldn't know didn't come out of one of Weed Michaels kitchens or, you know, somewhere fancy. In Kentucky right. you know it's it's really neat and it's cool to work with those kids and you know some of them are there because they get food in class you know that's sure. that, right you know flashback to when you were in high school right I can't knock them for that no uh. Like this will be an easy grade plus I get food I'm all in you know but then you know there are a handful of them in every class that they can really see this being their future, you know, oh, or they absolutely. they want to go on to, to study that in college, or they want to go to work, or they already are working, right, um, right, in a I fine mean, dining kitchen. I
0: mean, my my daughter, who's in high school, my middle daughter, works at Grader's Ice Cream. Yeah, right now, you know, that's what that's what, that she worked there last night. Right, and uh, that's something that she's getting good experience with. I recently interviewed uh, Chef Newman Miller, who's Mm -hmm. uh, at Maker's Mark and Mm -hmm. had a restaurant that's now a special event venue in Bardstown. Mm -hmm. And he expressed to me during that interview that the biggest challenge he faced and ultimately why he closed the restaurant from being an ongoing daily operating uh, restaurant what were the challenges of staffing, staffing. yeah mm-hmm. he just said i couldn't keep it staffed
1: i knew what you were going to yeah. say before the, the, you the said way it. i needed
0: to and so this this yeah. the pro start sounds like a fantastic it is opportunity for that
1: it i'll uh, we we recently had an event and we had almost 300 people there and it was our gala you know and it's a chance to recognize just the stars in the industry you know from servers to owners to suppliers everybody you know and we give out awards and it's just a really nice night to celebrate just the wonderful hospitality atmosphere we have in Kentucky and it was so funny because our uh, chef who was kind of hosting us he was so aggravated with a couple of his staff members and we had pro start students there helping him Mm -hmm. you know Jim our pro start guy was was like you want some students because it's great for them Sure. You know, and they're like, right. eyes are as, you know, like saucers, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. And um, he was like, you know what, Stacy? He said, those, right now, those students are doing better than my guys, you know? <laughs> you know, I walked in the kitchen right before the reception was starting, and he was standing side by side with one of the students from the Arvin Education Center in Oldham County, and he was showing him how to fry um, bacon-wrapped scallops, you know, And other students were shucking oysters. And it's like, if I'm 17 years old, I've probably never eaten that, much less touched it and prepared it and, you know, gotten my hands on, like, really high-quality ingredients and things. You know, in the classroom, they don't have the money to be, you know, we're going to be working with scallops today. Right, sure. You know.
0: So how many schools... Is the pro start in Kentucky?
1: In Kentucky, 20. Um, there's a few more that have the curriculum that have participated, but sometimes a teacher will change, and then they're off the rails for a year or two right. until they get somebody back, you know. So we've had as many as 24, 25, uh, but right now we've got a solid 20, and there's always several in the queue that are going to come on board Mm -hmm. you know toward the end of the spring they're looking at buying the curriculum to implement it in the fall
0: so if someone was interested in getting that at their school or promoting it to their Mm -hmm. school board how would they go about doing that
1: they would call Jim Lyon here or myself uh, 502-400-3736 and just start the conversation Mm -hmm. and he can put them in touch with the curriculum folks, or you can get them sample curriculum to look at if, if they'd like. There are several schools in Lexington, there's several here in Louisville, they're all over the state. And um, yeah, they, they just do a nice job. Well, it
0: seems like, I mean, having this conversation with you and specifically with, with Newman recently, we have such a boom in focusing on tourism. Mm-hmm. Distilleries are adding restaurants, they're, a lot of restaurants that are forming kind of around mm-hmm. they're not maybe directly distillery restaurants but forming around the bourbon trail and mm-hmm. so forth we're going to have to have the the local staff that's right to take care of that right. and you know we're already seeing we're already seeing maybe where it's being strained
1: mm-hmm. I think that a couple of things that work to our benefit are programs like Westerns hospitality program you can manage your you can major in hospitality studies Um, That's good Mm -hmm. also Sullivan University being here uh, because a lot of times People come here, and they're like wow Kentucky isn't at all what I thought it was, you know if you're from another part of the world And you stay you know and you you keep your job skills around here somewhere, and they see the thriving restaurant scene or even hotels, you know, we have a lot of folks in that industry as well and they don't want to go back to wherever. You know, they want to stay around here or right. maybe while they're in school they get a job and they start moving up that chain and yes, it's hard work, but it's, you know, it's it's wonderful.
0: It seems like that they're really it is an industry that is opening up and it's going and it's trending even bigger. And so there are going to be lots of opportunities there for
1: I think so. Kentuckians
0: who want to step into it.
1: Absolutely. I think we have around 200,000 employees in restaurant eating and drinking places, technically mm-hmm. is what they're called. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that that's going to go south. It's it's just going to keep growing. Right.
0: I think so. I mean, you, we, I think we see it all the time. And uh, it's Good idea to encourage your young people out there to uh, to at least look at it and think about it.
1: Well, I think that I think that we've got finally gotten away from everybody has to go to college and then you figure out what you want to do. Right. You know, we're finally looking at options like if if you want to be a plumber, you know, go get skilled in that. If you want to be in hospitality you can work your way through or you can get some formal education and work at the same time. And most chefs would tell you, you know what, the best education is working in a really good kitchen under a really good right. staff because they're going to show you and teach you things that you just can't get in the classroom. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a real emphasis on um, whatever works for that person and following your passion versus, you know, we're all, we all have to fit in this mm-hmm. square peg, y- right. you know, we all have to get the same degree, and, and then we'll figure out what we l- want to do with our lives. No,
0: I think, it's a, I think it's great to have those kind of direct vocational opportunities mm-hmm. in high school, and that obviously from, from the standpoint of, of this podcast, that's, a, that's an area that, that people should certainly look at. So we, uh, I mean, I I know that you're open to all, any kind of restaurant Mm -hmm. in Kentucky, whether independent or chain. Mm -hmm. From the perspective of Eat Kentucky, we're a little more interested in independence and sort of local type places. How have you seen in the last 25 years that you've been here, how have you seen the dynamic change in the food scene in Kentucky, particularly with independence? Mm.
1: Gosh, that's a good question. I think that it's been embraced more, probably, and I think it's grown more. Um, I think that there's a healthy balance of of all of those uh, categories of the industry, and really, we, you know, we're designed more to help the little guy, mm-hmm. the mom and pop, because they don't have an HR department and they don't right. have somebody that's, you know, going to tell them every new law that's changed or every poster that they have to change or, or whatever. But I think that um, I think people just have an appreciation for the uniqueness that our independents have throughout the state that they didn't have 25 years ago. Yes, I think exactly. we were more homogenous then, and I think that that has helped the industry flourish and grow here in particular because we've seen so much success and people are looking at Kentucky as a culinary destination
0: right we've been of course been featured uh, on
1: all the lists uh, right all the lists
0: <laughs> television shows giving Kentucky attention that can't can only help uh, restaurants you mentioned also working with suppliers mm-hmm. tell me what that encompasses
1: sure we've got probably hundred and sixty-ish Members that are we call them associate members, but they could be the company that delivers the food that you ultimately end up purchasing Um, You know Cisco Cisco or Gordon food service or US foods those kind of suppliers, the big distribution companies Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a point-of-sale company that operates the computer system that your servers put their orders in to communicate with the kitchen and then ultimately, you know run run your payments through um, a pressure washing company, insurance companies, um, just you name it. Mm-hmm. If if their a focus of their industry is restaurant, then it behooves them to be a member of ours because they can get involved with and see, you know, contact information, who's involved in the association, they can come to these events and get face-to-face with ultimately their customer mm-hmm. or their prospective customer and so we've got a really active group of, of uh, suppliers that support us and what we do but also support the industry as a whole um, you know they'll come to the golf outing they'll they'll come to the gala they'll come and exhibit at our trade show and and so it's a good group
0: when do you all do your trade show
1: we do it in the middle of november mm-hmm. Just before the holidays. Hit. Just before the holidays. It's like the last <laughs> here's your last that's, chance to, right. to get out it's all for over. a minute. Right? It's all over after this. Right. But it's still <laughs> work related, you know.
0: So tell me a little bit about yourself growing up. What kind of what kind of foods did you eat? Were you Oh
1: my. So when I was growing up, my dad retired early and was kind of the, the chief cook. So we we did a lot of comfort food. You know, he was kind of like the pork chop, potatoes, and mixed vegetables guy. You know, he had a big garden. So he was always uh, he had actually two big plots on our five, five acres in Oldham County, and so you know we had fresh corn and tomatoes, and always had strawberries and watermelon. You name it, he grew it. And for uh, so tra-
0: traditional, yeah. Country what fair. you would think of in fair?
1: Kentucky. Yeah, um, my mom was a California girl that he you know, kind of dragged back to Kentucky. <laughs> and um, but you know she embraced it and she canned a lot of the things that he grew and um, He was really our our cook, but I, I would say it was a very traditional you know, not a lot of ethnic experience until mm. I went, you know, like to college or or what have you, but um, and he was a territorial cooker. Like, you didn't get in his turf when he right. was cooking. He just stayed out of his way, you know. But you kind of had to learn from afar. <laughs> uh, right, right.
0: So what what kind of led you in the path to, to being here? It was
1: a happy accident. When I got out of college um, in 1990, my first job was working for, and I had a degree in communications, was working for a small business owner, and she owns, I think still to this day, a quilt business, an antique quilt business. And she, her name's Shelly Ziegert, she's like the renowned expert, even internationally, in quilts and started the Kentucky Quilt Project. And so I worked for her For about five years and a very small business, you know, of course, I'm never going to own that business Mm -hmm. because it's hers. Mm -hmm. And so um, gaining that experience, I just kind of started looking for the next thing and responded to a blind ad for KRA. I didn't know what KRA was. There was not a good way, you know, it was early internet times. So we didn't Google stuff then. You looked in the phone book. I
0: remember those days. I remember looking (laughs) in the phone
1: book, trying to figure out what it was and where it was. And you know i came on board and kind of started by just doing administrative functions and running our trade show and then running our trainings and and then um, that just kind of evolved you know mm-hmm. with a nonprofit you can do as much as you want to do and you're never done at the end of the day <laughs>
0: right where do you see where do you see kentucky food and kentucky restaurants going in the coming years
1: i think that they'll continue to Grow, I think that with with the bourbon emphasis, that brings a lot of eyes on us that we wouldn't necessarily get. Do you all otherwise. have a
0: a direct relation with distilleries at all, or just the or the restaurants? Several of the
1: distilleries them? are members of ours, um, and we work some with with the Kentucky Distillers Association and and other groups and things. But um, I just think that brings a whole different perspective. um, You know, it's really like the wine country of California. Right. You know, and that's, that's who we are here. And so there's a synergy, I think, that will continue to grow as bourbon continues to grow. Um, but I think that also has kind of fringe benefits for us because that might be what gets them here. But then they're like, wow, we have so much to offer Mm -hmm. and not just in the big cities, you know, all through Kentucky there's some really great, you mentioned the Bourbon Trail. There's some really great, you know, kinda off the grid places that are just wildly successful.
0: Right, I think one of the benefits of the Bourbon Trail and the Bourbon Trail tourism is that Mm -hmm. it is pulling people into places like Bardstown. I mean, look look at the restaurant scene in Bardstown Compared to what it was not long ago, and new Willits just opened a new restaurant, Bardstown Bourbon Company, and Mm -hmm. so forth. Um, So I mean, obviously Louisville and Lexington benefit from that, Mm -hmm. but so does for sales and exactly everywhere in Lawrenceburg. Lawrenceburg, Lawrenceburg, right? They're all right
1: in the middle of everything. I think that's great because it gets people off that beaten path, and then they can. See the beautiful rolling hills and the horse farms and the fences and all the things that we know we're kind of like, you know, we've seen it forever, but um, then they discover those hidden gems and are like, "Wow, we got to come back here."
0: And I and I think, getting back to that staffing issue, you don't have to be in Lexington Louisville to be involved in fine dining. Right. I mean you've I mean again like take Baker's Mark, you know. Bakers Mark is not Mm-mm. in in any sort of metropolitan area. Right. But they have really nice really nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. And same is true for for Woodford Reserve and the restaurants in Midway and for right. sales and so forth.
1: So. Right, northern Kentucky and right. Paducah, you know, sure. I mean there's and eastern Kentucky has a wealth of just great places, so I, I think there's tremendous growth potential, mm-hmm. and I, I think we'll continue to grow. I don't think we've even come close to the ceiling.
0: Has the have has the membership been on the uptick as far as just yes, yes yeah just bringing new places?
1: Yes, definitely, and uh, it's always rewarding when we get a new member. That I haven't been killing myself for sometimes years, you know, to mm-hmm. convince to join, that this is the right time, um, and I'm and I don't have a story about him. It's like so and so joined. I'm like, wow, that's a total surprise, mm-hmm. you know. Or like last week, I was pulling in the parking lot from running some errands at lunchtime, and my cell phone rang, and it was an eight five nine number I didn't recognize, and I answered, and he said, Hey, Stacy, it's Eric from the Sedona Tap House. Well. I haven't talked to him in months because he told me last summer, give me the fall, you know, and then, you know, I kind of leave them alone, and then after the holidays come and go, and they've survived through January, which <laughs> right. is always, like, sure. tough, tough. Tough month. He said, I'm I'm ready to go, and I'm like, this is great, great news. So go online, fill out your stuff, and send it in. So it's always nice surprises, but, yes, it's it's growing, and it, you know, at some point, you reap the benefits of sowing all the seeds for so long that didn't maybe you didn't get to water as well as you could have. Yeah.
0: Well, it is. Uh, it's good to see that Kentucky restaurants are well supported. Looks like things are in good hands. Oh, thank you. And uh, I think there are great things that lie ahead.
1: It's very fun, never boring, and always full of personalities.
0: So I'll, I'll ask you one more question that you may or may not even be able to answer, and, and that is what are your restaurant recommendations?
1: Ooh. Where?
0: Well, here here in Louisville, or mm. any favorites that you might have outside of Louisville. I'm, I'm open.
1: All of them. But, <laughs> but,
0: That's what I thought you might say.
1: Right? It's like your children. You can't ever say who your favorite child is because they're all your favorite child. But, you know, within each segment, I have favorites, you know. Um I don't get to go out. I have 3 teenagers. So I don't get I to I know the, I
0: know the problem.
1: Right. <laughs> and and so I'm really just a driver and a transportation yes. organizer yeah. and so I'm always on call.
0: I've I've been considering getting my chauffeuring license. I, I always I joke do. that
1: I just want a hat. Just give me a <laughs> hat that I can wear so I'm I look the part. A hat and a referee <laughs> with a whistle outfit. Right, yeah. That's that's what I need. But my whole point is that you know we don't get out and and my husband's kind of a homebody you know he he likes it when he's out but he'd rather be at home man sure. <laughs> so i get my fix with restaurants typically at lunchtime you mm-hmm. know um it's like somebody says where do you want to have lunch I'm like ooh this is exciting <laughs> you know it's my favorite but i don't get to go to a lot of places that are open for dinner only um, Saying all that, I love Brasserie Provence. Our chairman this year, speaking of diversity, uh, for my state board who I report to is Guy Genoux and he runs Brasserie Provence. He's a French gentleman and he's fantastic. You know, they do a wonderful lunch and dinner service. I love Valare Restaurant um, for Italian. It's just a beautiful place. And Chef Josh Moore is really involved in the association and. Mm-hmm just uber-successful uh, David Danielson at Old Stone. I mean, there's just, John Veronese was our previous chairman with, and he has Riverhouse and Veronese and, I mean, we have so many that I'm leaving out dozens that I could I could mention, you know. And and then there's, you know, like I said, tzatzikis where sure. you can grab lunch. And we or, have
0: tzatzikis just around the corner from where I live in, in Lexington, and so.
1: They don't even have freezers in their business. Like every single thing is fresh every day. I love
0: tzatziki's. It's really good.
1: You feel like you're being good to yourself when you do that, (laughs) even though it's delicious. Yeah,
0: it's really good. Well, I appreciate your time. I've enjoyed it, and we've uh, learned a lot, I think. Thank you. You can find links to the Kentucky Restaurant Association's website and social media in show notes. Also in show notes is a link to Stacey Roof's recent op-ed addressing the proposed restaurant tax in the Louisville Courier Journal. Please hit the subscribe button to the eKentucky podcast to be notified of future episodes. And please leave a five-star rating. It really helps others find the podcast. Also, please tell a friend who might enjoy the podcast. You can follow my other explorations of Kentucky food on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I would love for you to visit the new eKentucky Patreon at patreon.com slash eKentucky, where you can support the podcast and receive bonuses and previews. The EKentucky Kentucky theme is by Art Mines. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at eatkentucky at gmail.com. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Lexington area, I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Bluegrass Realty. I would love to talk to you. Until next time, this is Alan Cornett.